Okay, Eric, we're live, Facebook Live, and uh, thanks for thanks for joining me on this show. So, you know, I've I've kind of uh, billed you as the number one side hustler I know, and I go back a lot of years with you. We we go back all the way to MBA school together, right. and uh, we we had some good times at, in school, and some of them were outrageously good times by way of just. Um, we took some great classes, but we had a lot of good laughs and uh, we, we bonded a lot. This was like, I don't know, what, 15 years ago? Is that right? Yeah, like 15, 16 years ago. 15, 16 years ago, right? And uh, and at that time, you know, you were, uh, I didn't realize it, but you were side hustling in college when I knew you and you didn't even tell me. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a you know relevant topic at that point. You didn't just bring it up and tell everybody, uh, you know, it was one of those things that if you needed to know, you knew. Yeah, I don't think you have to be so outward with it. You just do what you do and right. that's it. People that, that like the things you like uh, will be attracted to you. Like we, you know, yeah. we mentioned, um, you know, you were you were in the video game items world there for a while, right? High school and that bled into college, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started in high school and kind of college was when I first kind of really turned it on to say like, oh, wow, there's some there's some potential to make money in this business and people weren't really doing it. So then... Yeah. We were playing a lot. We thought, oh man, you know, how do we how do we leverage spending 16, 18 hours a day playing video games into making money? And then next thing you know, you're on eBay and yeah. it's more PayPal people, Western Union checks, you're gonna pick them up, you're you're mailing checks out to other people across the country to you know for their items, and then you, you get you get dinged maybe for a little bit of IP, but whatever. <laughs> and you were asking me earlier if you should be using your uh, video game headset or just regular mic. I yeah. said, man, just I think you know now that you you're uh, fully in the full adulthood. I think the video game uh, headset, which I think we just play you as a straight up adult entrepreneur for this call. You know, I don't really, uh, I don't mind it because the truth be told, before we got on this conversation, I had the headset on playing games. So, <laughs> cool. so it wasn't, it wasn't like that's ever stopped. It's not ever going to stop. Right. It's yeah. It's just, it's just who you are. Yeah. Um, okay. So when we get started here, the, the first thing I want to do is uh, just kind of jump right into my little opening slides, right? Um, are, is that taking over the screen? Can you see it okay? Let's yeah, I take my screen, but that's fine. I, mean, I, don't, I don't mind. Yeah, but you can see it there. I'm sharing it out pretty good, oh, right? Oh, I see it, yeah. Oh, good. So my, my little opening line here for this week, uh, April 21st, 2000, well, 2020, uh, we're midway in this pandemic. And so hold up. You can drink without me. That wasn't fair. Well, my bad. Cheers. All right. This is why we're doing after hours. Um, so the we are here like at the hump, right, of this thing. Right? And I remember three weeks ago, four weeks ago, um, you know, not everybody realized what was about to happen. And um, I think some of us older dogs, we, we, we felt it. We knew it sooner because we've been through a few through tough times. So a few recessions or so forth. And not, this is not exactly a recession, but we know we, we remember what it was like. Matter of fact, you and I both met at school during the last, not the last recession, but the recession before that. And, uh, and uh, we, and I was there because of the, I was in, I was in business school because of that recession, right? I felt like, hey, I'm just going to go get my education and get my MBA while, while yeah, this yeah. thing is going down, right? And, uh, and I was a little older than you, so I was, you know, taking a break from a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah. And so, the, so when this thing started happening a few, a few weeks ago, you know, I, we immediately thought cash conservation. I immediately thought yeah. about job security. I immediately thought about all the things that unfolded during those previous times. A lot of people don't remember, some do, some don't. 
So uh, that's kind of why I've got this title out here. It kind of has it sunk in yet because, um, and I think the answer is probably yes, right? So I felt like we went through a couple stages. The first couple of weeks was a little bit of denial, a little bit of that, and then it went into the shock of it all uh, a week or yeah. two ago. And then now I feel like people are kind of realizing that this is real. What are your thoughts? I mean, for me, I think it's a little bit different. Um, yeah. You know, day one was pretty real for me. I have I train in New York City, so it's still very tangible, still very palpable, still very real to feel um, like part of that medical community. And then, you know, I have friends who are kind of going through it to see some people that we knew uh, going through training that aren't here anymore, that are gone, to hear about young people, losing young people to this. Yeah, it definitely, definitely hits you and you understand it a little bit. Uh, maybe more than general population, you get a little more upset than general population just because yeah. they're not, it's not really palpable to them somewhat. I mean, they, they get that they have to stay home, they get angry about staying home, and they don't see, maybe here, especially in Florida, they don't see the direct impact um, to their friends in their community. I, I think if you talk to my friends from New York City, some of them have had this, uh, themselves and who have, have self-quarantined, self-isolated, it's a different feeling for them. They feel it. They're frontlining it. They, they see it directly in a, a much different way. I'm not downplaying what the people here are seeing, but, you know, there's 256,000 cases in New York City as of today. You know, there's 20,000 here in all of Florida. So yeah. it's a little different. Well, Eric, when I met you, you lived in you lived in Sarasota and we were going to school in Tampa. And But ultimately, you ended up uh, doing your residency in New York City, yeah. right? And so yeah. you really lived in the city there for several years. So you're back here in Florida now. So you probably are having some moments of, of reflection around, you know, folks that, you know, that are still in the city. And are you connected with some of those? Yeah. So actually, I still read for one of the hospitals that's um, most impacted uh, in Brooklyn. You'll see yeah. them on the news a lot. I, I've sent them some supplies that I was able to get. Um, yeah. I told them, hey, listen, if I got to come back, I'll, I'll come back. I'll fly in if necessary to like give them body. Um, not that I would be the best frontline agent, but I'm better than, you know, nobody else who has no training whatsoever. But it yeah. hasn't really got that, which is I, I'm happy for that. And I'm sure, you know, they're also happy that they don't need to tap into a resource like me that probably is better serving them elsewhere. So yeah. I've been grateful to, you know, see see the progress that they're making. The social distancing is clearly working. Yeah, um, yeah. As far as the health concern is, you know, as far as health concern, obviously the economics of this is very different, and how that plays into this conversation is very different. But from yeah. a health standpoint, it seems to be working, and hopefully we can stay vigilant and eventually turn this ship around. Yeah, I think we're going to uh, definitely going to get into the economics of this, especially when it comes to you know how to sustain and make income for for folks and their family. Um, you know, Eric, the lighting was good before, but I think the sun's gone down a little bit. So yeah, let me see if I can throw it on. See if it gets a yeah, yeah. Pop a light on. How's that? Too yeah, yeah, that's gonna be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's better. I get you. I get you in full lit. Yeah, it's like serious, like HD. <laughs> I get to turn the backlights on. Maybe I get to see the kitchen lights. Do what you want. You want to experiment? That's fine. You, yeah. Try one more thing. Yeah. It's funny because the, uh, a little more, a little more. Uh, okay, oh, that's oh. probably good. Here's the thing. What people don't realize is we shoot. Th that's perfect, actually. We shoot this thing. What's ironic? We start shooting right before sunset, like an hour. Right. Like, right. Like. And so the lighting when we start is completely different than the lighting midway, and then it changes. Oh yeah. I had uh, last week I had Cole Robinson. She did the she did her whole uh, interview show from the from her patio on the back patio, which was started out amazing, like it was this 
beautiful sun uh, drenched patio pool. It was like so serene. And then around halfway through the interview, man, she just got she got darker and darker and darker. And then she, her husband had to go get like a, a lamp and like shine it in her face. Yeah. It was like, so this is the challenge of doing a live show right around sunset. It's so, lit. <laughs> right. So I'll, I'll let you know as the lighting goes. Hey, um, so I want to come back. And the first thing I want to do is cover our sponsor. Right. So our sponsor is perfect for uh, for what we do. Right. So so this is executive launch. So. This is custom turnkey business packages for executives. So these are folks that have built up their career in typically large companies, large to medium sized companies have risen their ranks, have proven their leadership, have proven their uh, all of their muster for uh, being creative within organizations, rolling out products, uh, leading people, um, just the best, right, in terms of that skill set. But but realizing that um, that perhaps there's something bigger that they can do for themselves. Perhaps they have a um, they have what it takes to launch their own company and make a dent, put a dent in the universe with all of that talent and all that skill that they're giving to the company. So at some point, when someone uh, gets promoted to a certain degree, they kind of have a go no go decision where okay, I can still keep getting promoted uh, upper upper management right and make more money, but ultimately uh, there might be a happiness factor. Um, golden handcuffs, um, more politics, frustration. It's not, I mean, you know this from people that are up the ranks in the hospital systems, right? It's it's a thankless, a high stress job. And uh, and you have to make a decision around, you know, do you, do you wanna have that corporate stress uh, path of a lifestyle that has a lot of perhaps job security to it? Or maybe while you're still mid-career and you still have some gas in the tank, as a senior, as an executive, with all of your contacts, your network, and all of that experience and leadership, maybe maybe now at some point is the time to jump out and start your own company. So sure. executive launch helps uh, executive launch helps uh, companies helps executives do that and puts uh, puts a whole team together to help them understand what a startup really is because most people really don't understand, especially executives that come up the ranks, they don't understand the guerrilla warfare it takes to launch a company and it looks easy it looks easy from the outside and it's sexy and romantic but it's a lot harder than you expect and you want to surround yourself with people who've been through it and so that's what executive launch does okay in fact i've got a little um i think i've got something i'm going to um throw up here i think uh yeah okay hold on i've got a um interesting um Got a little thing that's supposed to be on the screen, but it's. Uh, let's see if I can get it to go. Okay. All right. Okay. So um, anyway, okay. So that's executive launch. All right. We're going to jump back into it. So so Eric, what we're going to do the format of the show is that we um, I interview you a little bit on your story, and uh, and then we we only go like five ten minutes before we. Um, before we turn it over to questions. Thank you, Cal, for that. Guerrilla Warfare is right. <laughs> Cal Tiger says, hi, Fong. Hi, how are you? Thank you for joining. Um, and please go ahead and put your questions in the chat queue because we're going to go ahead and address those. The thing about these stories, I get these amazing entrepreneurs on the show and I get them telling their stories and it tends to put my audience like into a trance because they're like mesmerized by these stories because you, you can't believe them. And then they kind of forget to ask their question or they forget that it's not just about my guest co-host. It's about, it's about people out there. That's why we're doing it live. If otherwise I would just be doing a traditional podcast. Right. Sure. So, so let's put them out there. So, so Eric, um, you know, you know, basically the setup for this is, 
the reason I want this story to be relevant, I want you to talk about, you know, how you look at business and entrepreneurship, because I think it can be really, really relevant to people today that are in jobs, how they can like start things on the side to make money and potentially even get lucky and form, and form a whole company that breaks away. So let's start with like, walk us, start us with kind of your story and your philosophies on that. Sure. sure. Quick, quick run through. Yeah. I'd say that, I'd say that I'm getting some feedback. Not so much. You sound okay. Okay. So the real, the real story that I would say is like it starts in high school where you're just, you're realizing that you want to earn money and you're not sure how to do it and you don't really want to go and work at McDonald's. That's probably for me. Like that's just me. So I said, okay, what am I going to do? I decided I was going to drive people around in my car and charge the money to go to things that I wasn't going to attend. But they could just call me. And this was before cell phones, so they'd call me at my house. I'd write up a list. I'd drop them off. I knew the time to pick them up. I'd pick them up. So I would charge $5 a seat. It was kind of like Uber before Uber. And believe me, I wish I came up with Uber, but I didn't. <laughs> right? So I'm driving people back and forth, and I'm making money at parties, and that's that was basically my stick. I didn't, I didn't drink. I was the president of Students Against Drunk Driving, so partying wasn't my thing. I figured this was an opportunity. Other people had to get there. I figured I was doing two services. One, they weren't drinking and driving. I was fulfilling my mission um, because my grandfather was killed by a drunk driver. And number two, I was also making money. Um, and then I was taking that money and parlaying it into other things that I could you know, buy and sell and flip and buy and sell and flip because I didn't really want to go and, like I said, work the nine to five. Then I get into high school, I mean college, and I sort of leveraged my skill set in bowling. Um, I was a good bowler. I just I didn't really want to bowl for a, a college. I got a lot of offers to bowl in college, but it didn't really appeal to me. So I started in college. I, I'm like, all right, well, what can I do? I'm bowling all the time. Next thing I know, I'm bowling for teams that participate in like money sport, money on the weekends and tournaments. I'm making some money with that. Obviously, we talked about the video game aspect. I'm playing games a lot, right? College kids, lots of free time. So I'm bowling. I'm, I'm playing games. I'm going to school minimally, truthfully. You know, I'm just going to get by and hang out with my friends. So again, not a big part of your college. My friends are going out. I'm saying to myself, I could stay home, play the games. I'm accruing all these items in the games. I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do all these items? There's no other market. Like, what do you mean by items? What, what kind of items are you talking about? Like, let's pretend everybody here's like played Zelda, right? A shield, right? So a shield in the game. Okay, so the shield in the game, I have 10 of them. I can only use one, even if I don't, maybe not even use one. So I say, okay, I can sell it for more in-game stuff, or why not just sell it to somebody else for real-life money? Now, there's problems with that that arise, but there that was just my thought process. Was, I have a whole bunch of these things. What should I do with them? And so that kind of just keeps on going and going and going until uh, one of my friends starts an online company that I completely missed the boat on, right? So people miss stories all the time. I missed the boat, www.mmorpgwarehouse.com. I mean, this guy ends up selling virtual goods online millions and millions of dollars a year right you can go online right now you can google any type of video game any type of item it's available and account will be available will be available you could have been on the ground floor that that was your friend is that what i've heard oh yeah complete miss i mean mm -hmm. millions millions of dollars missed me and the guys i started account with i mean we were some of the top sellers on ebay when ebay first started we're talking top 10 people in on ebay selling that much product virtual product all day, every day, just a team of us. And then, like I said, collecting checks from Western Union and then putting that money out there. Eventually PayPal came around and that's how we use our distributing our wealth was through PayPal. Um, 
So that was kind of like one of my first real side hustles. And then in college, I, I ended up getting my first watch, which begins like my next avenue and adventure of what will be my, hopefully my greatest side hustle. Did you did you did you always love uh, watches? Like when like was this something you just couldn't afford the ones you wanted in high school? Yeah. So you were just like a fan of watches. Yeah, fan exactly. Like you're a fan. You're like you see other people wearing. You're like man, it's kind of cool. Um, I love the fact that they're obsolete in some way, right? I mean, you want accurate time, pick up your phone. You're gonna get a great great a great sense of the time by picking up your phone. So instead of doing something like that, you say, okay, well. What can I have that's really a, a men's line of jewelry? You'll see, I don't wear I don't wear a chain. I don't even really wear anything at the house because when I type, it annoys me. My OCD is like clicking on the keyboard, yeah, so yeah. I don't really wear anything. So the one thing I actually wear is a watch. Generally, when I go out, it's a watch. Right. So you bought you bought your first watch uh, in college. What was it? I bought a well. To be fair, my first watch was given to me in college after I graduated from college. Um, as I was going to medical school. My my parents got me a, a Datejust, a Rolex Datejust. Okay. Yeah, stainless steel, Roman numeral, classic stainless on stainless on stainless. It went with everything. It worked for everything. Uh, it was just that quintessential. You could wear it all the time. With at the time, I was wearing a lot of suits, going to medical school and interviews and stuff like that. So I was wearing it all the time. And obviously, you still have it. No, actually, no, see, that's the thing. I'm not a. I'm not really. A possessions guy. I don't have emotional attachments to thing, which also helps in the entrepreneur game. I think. Um, yeah. You have to put some of that aside, right? The P, the reason why people have an emotional attachment to a job is because you begin to you get to own it and live it and to breathe it, and then that's your job. I don't do that, right? I look at a job as like, thank you. I'm making my money in this current job. This is the current opportunity I'm in. What other opportunities are always available? I'm always looking. Got it. So, so you. Okay, so how many? All right, how many luxury watches have you think you've sold since you started? And then, what is the average ticket price on those on average? I'm gonna say probably a few hundred, and I'm gonna say five thousand to ten thousand. Depends on. Right. It's hard to say. Sometimes you'll say like, "Oh, there's a crazy one," so that might drive the average up. But I would say most people who are purchasing a watch at this point in that luxury. Piece is going to be anywhere between five thousand and ten thousand. I actually tell people don't don't buy your first watch over the ten thousand dollar price point unless you've just got a tremendous amount of wealth and you're just you're you're looking for a, either a toy or an investment vehicle that's alternative to buying stock or something else. So so why do you think people bought bought from you? My guess is you just did you get your knowledge up to a point where you could um, I mean they could source these things anywhere, but. Was it was it the knowledge or the, your ability to describe the uh, the the attributes of this thing and get them excited about it? I think um, yeah, that's a part of it. I don't know if it's excitement. I, I'm not a I'm not a hype guy, really. I'm not. I would say if anything, I'm more of a straight shooter. I'm sure you know that. Uh, for me, I don't I don't pull punches. I'll tell you exactly how I feel to a fault. And I would say many times that's probably derailed as many good opportunities as it's kind of you know launched me to yeah. but what i'll tell people is just the honest truth it's okay hey you've got 5500 can you flex to seven to get the watch you really want or should we back off and go to 3500 or 4000 because the 5500 space for you is a dead space and sometimes people don't want to hear that right and you'll lose and you'll lose a person but i would say most people want the truth. They want to know your opinion. That's why they came to you. And so I'll offer my opinion. I'll tell you why I think something's good, bad, or indifferent. I'll also tell you if you buy a watch, 
I'll say this watch, when you resell it, won't be worth this. It'll probably be worth less. Or I'll tell you, hold this for the rest of your life and your children will experience more wealth than you currently have. It's a better investment vehicle than, you know, buying them a junk bond or putting their money in a CD. Yeah, got it. So basically, you're, you, you straight talk these folks in, in terms of why uh, they should spend what they're spending or why they shouldn't spend what they should spend. Um, just a, a trusted advisor, if you will. Yeah, that's it. Trusted advisor. But but also, like, do you break down the difference in quality? Surely you get into the oh, difference yeah. in quality of these products. You have to be an expert at these products. It's like, you know, for instance, like the first question I have to ask somebody, when you wear the watch, what is it you're, why are you getting it? Are you getting it to wear it? Is this like a, I'm going to wear this every day and we call it like a daily wear or almost like a beater, right? A daily yeah. driver, some people say, just like cars. Yeah. Are you getting this because it's special occasions? This thing's going to be in a safe 95% of the time. It's not going to be on your wrist and you're going to wear it to your six occasions a year. Okay, that's different. That's a, that type of money. There's a different type of watch, different money. Everything's different with that, right? Yeah. But when you're talking about a daily driver, I also have to know what you do. Are you a... Are you a daily driver who's going to beat this thing up? Are you working a desk job where you're going to keep on scratching across a desk? Are you working outside? Are you a Marine? I've literally sold watches to people that are in all sorts of jobs, walks of life, and you're trying to put them into the thing that makes literally the most sense in all the, all those pieces. It's Is it a dress watch? Is it a sport watch? Is it a mix? Can you wear it with shorts? Do you go to the beach with it? Yeah. So here's the thing. So the reason I think this is important, I'm drilling into it, is because, you know, you're talking about a, you're talking about a price point that's that's you know this is something that people you can make you can make significant um side income on something like this and you get to do something that you're passionate about uh there's ready-made customers out there if you know how to find them you've got a price you've got a price point that is very rewarding uh the margin for you is uh, clearly going to be significant um and uh and you get to make people happy right yep. Uh, and you, you just all these good things, right? In, in addition to your, your day job that, that you've had. And by the way, you went through a lot of, you went through years of med school and residency. Uh, so maybe yeah. talk about that for a minute is, did any of this kind of uh, side hustle stuff help you through residency and all of that by way of income? Uh, truthfully, no. Yeah. Uh, no. If anything, I'll say that my, my high school one got me a car. Okay, I bought my first car with it. So I bought a, I bought a brand new Mustang. I was like, oh, I bought a brand new Mustang. So literally driving people around in a Corsica got me a Mustang. That's what I tell people. And then bowling, video games, and everything in college paid for my somewhat extravagant lifestyle when I did go out or when I did do other things. Like I would yeah, buy. You liked, I remember you liked fancy dinners. I do remember yeah, that. Right, you did dinner. like dinners, yeah. You yeah, weren't so a big drinker, you partier, but you like to you like yeah, nice exactly. Food. I'll do a big dinner. I'll go out to a big place. I'll spend the money. I think it's worth it. That's you know, luxuries in New York City was great for that. Tampa, same thing. But I would spend on my friends. I buy computers. I love tech. Um, I love to dig into the idea of tech. So most of that was funded through that. Medical school, no. You're just too you're just too locked in. There's not enough time. I mean, I was still playing video games, still doing some watch stuff. But let's face it, most of it was still uh studying and, and doing what had to be done residency starts to turn the corner actually that's when the watch game really started to turn on because you were meeting you were meeting doctors that had the the, the money to buy these yeah. that, you know, the interest in the money to do this right so right. You, were, you were in a killing field so to speak yeah you know what the funny part is it's like you think that's where the the money and the and the, the killing field is but they introduced you to the people that actually have the real money and have the real uh, Yes, they introduce you to the people, yeah. right? Yeah, those are the people that 
you would never expect it. No sweatpants. Oh, really there's a big lesson to be learned here. People like, and I always talk about this in sales and most people, a lot of people get this Cal tiger, get this and all of my, all of my, uh, you know, my season guys, but it's not, people forget it's not who you know it's who they know and it, this, this is so true in all things in business it's uh i just asked for it today in a referral like i got a uh, someone passed on and uh, with, with something i was working on and instead of just saying because that happens i said is there anyone you could you could think to re refer me to right so any good uh salesperson knows this is the, the golden rule of sales right is to um whether they're passing or not, the idea, if you get somebody excited, like imagine that doc, you get somebody excited about watches. Once they're convinced that you're an expert at watches and you're excited about watches and you have all this thing, the immediately thing they, they, they know immediately that they're not a buyer, but they immediately start thinking about their friends. That's right. Go, you know who I need to introduce you yeah. to? Right? That's how it all happens. That's literally, it's all, it's all friends of friends, word of mouth of friends. Um, it's literally that, that's how it, that's how it happens. If you sold to one person, they really like the experience. That person tells two more of their friends. They like the experience. They get two more of their friends. And you, like you said, you put yourself in a situation where people are then talking about you in that regard. And like you said, it's a trusted advisor role. It's somebody you don't think you're going to really screw them over. It's the truth. Um, but you're also making some money. Yep, yeah, power networking. I agree. That's right. The, uh, the the power of networking is great, but this idea of referrals, like what. I, this has been true and this is true in so many things. If you show uh, knowledge and passion about something, people pick up on that energy and you should never look at people, this, you should never look at people as your buyer, right? You should right. almost look at them as somebody that you're just trying to demonstrate your enthusiasm and your knowledge right. and they will find you the buyer, right? They do, they do. This is they so do. true. And whether they're they're not to become a buyer. Yeah, I've seen this, I see this all over the place and it really, should should be a it's a it's a big lesson that people uh, don't even, even in networking I find just something as simple as networking people go out networking or whatever they're thinking about how can I get the car to the person and sell this person no all you want to do is be the person who's really enthusiastic passionate about something and clearly knowledgeable about something just be that person you're yeah. done you're done nothing more that's your job of the evening of the whole event just be that person and watch watch what happens you will they they will gravitate to you they will they will connect you with people they will try right. to try to get you to connect it's it's an, it's incredible it has nothing to do with the the first people that you're interacting with it's just it's such an obvious thing in a way but 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 it's just never really understood yeah my goal wasn't to sell watches that, that honestly was never my goal my goal was to meet other people who like watches and then through that you, you just demonstrated the fact that you acknowledge that you were a nice person, that you could meet other people in that space. And it goes to networking, but it also gets back to, like you said, it's just demonstrating you care about something, you have passion for something. People latch onto it. They buy into your story. They want to be a part of it. And then they start asking questions that you've never even really thought about, which is, hey, could you get me this watch? And you're going, I guess I could, but that's not really what I do, but I guess it's what I do now. Right. Yeah. I, I just hope that sinks in with so many of our uh, viewers and listeners. Like it's uh, a couple old dogs here talking about how people don't really understand uh, networking. And this is really, really what it is. Um, and this is really how it works. And this, by the way, doesn't just work in small ticket items. This works in big ticket items. This works in almost every every business of all types. Um, like it, it, I could just go down the list. I mean, cutting grass. I'm, I'm just going to just off the top of my head. I'm looking out my window at my lawn, right? Like 
if I bump into somebody that is clearly uh, has a crew and really clean cut and really you can see that they're professional and they're really trying to create a business and I bump into them somewhere at some store, what God knows there's some birthday party, whatever, and I'm impressed by them and they have a lawn care business. Guess what? I'm not changing my lawn, my lawn person. Right, right. Okay. So you, you would think right there that they're wasting their time with me right there. You think they're wasting their time with me, right? But just the opposite, like they're impressing me to the point where now I'm thinking in my mind as they're talking and I think like, who do I know that needs a good lawn person? Right, right. People just don't understand that concept. You know, they want to give up or they think that it's the value of this person. You can make that sale. You can make the next sale. Right. And it's about who can I refer you to? Like I'm going to, so anyway, I know it's just, it's such a powerful thing. Um, okay. So, so this is, uh, this, this is kind of the side hustle thing. So what I want to transition to in uh, Eric is, okay, so let's, let's take a step back for a minute. You know, this, this podcast is really about trying to get a message out to people right now that are, you know, in jobs or losing jobs, um, whether they've lost it or they're fearing they may lose it, or maybe they're just like, Hey, you know what? this is a wake up call for me. I should work on my, my side business or my, or my full exit. Right. Everybody's got a different spectrum of what they want. Right. Yeah. Eric, Eric, you've never been like a, you know, uh, you, you've never been a, uh, you know, a person that was just dying to quit and start and just get out there to you. You, you're a guy that always loved the idea of having a great paying, uh, job that, um, that allows you, that is structured in such a way that allows you to go pursue all your interests and hobbies, right? Yeah. And make money with some of them and not others. But, but, but maybe we know that about you, you know, comment on that a little bit about yourself, but then also maybe talk about, you know, the, the bigger landscape for people out there. Yeah. How you get there maybe, right? Like, yeah. um, so for me, uh, you could easily, and a lot of my colleagues do, they just fall back and like, okay, we make a good salary in radiology, or that's why I'm a radiologist. So I work from home, and that's nice. I don't commute, so I save time on commuting. I save pretty much time on anything you can think of. I turn the machine off, so my time is my time, which was a huge piece for me to get to where I am now, right? I was able to then take a lot of the extraneous, which is that commute, that gives me an hour a day. Um, not taking any call, it gives me my weekend back, my nights back. All that time then can be parlayed into other things that I have passion for, which could theoretically be one of two things. One, just purely a hobby. I don't necessarily anymore make money on video games. Could I? Sure, but I don't, right? So I could either do things that I enjoy, or I could do things that I enjoy that I can also make money at, watches, other ventures that I have. With that whole theory, you say to yourself, okay, I have a job, do I quit? And I think this is what I've listened to some of the other podcasts and, and what the theme and one of the things I disagreed with was, you know, you got to be your own boss and you've got to do this and you got to do that. And that's the only way you'll ever get wealth. I think that's what you talked about probably three podcasts ago. And I kind of disagree, right? Because for me, I generate far more wealth at my job where I'm technically not the boss. And that's okay because I'm the boss in other domains and I'm fine with that. But at the same time, I said to myself, okay, in my own domain, it's going to take far too long just to be the boss, but I still like what I do. So I started my own teleradiology company recently with a friend of mine, and I started my own consulting company with myself. And then I started doing things for myself as a contractor. So I've taken my skill set, even though I'm not the boss in my main job, but now I'm parlaying that into potentially being the boss in my main job. So yep. just because you're in a current role doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the boss today. Yeah. But maybe you should be planning to be the boss for the future, but it doesn't mean you have to give up what you currently have. 
Yeah, there's a, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot of ways to, to slice that, right? So for one thing, we know that wealth creation really big. There's there's a spectrum of wealth, right? There's right. There's, there's great there's great income. Mm -hmm. There's there's moderate wealth, which means you can put a few million dollars in the bank, uh, you know, separate. And then yeah, there's right. then there's really great wealth that's you know maybe maybe ten million dollars or more in the bank and from there, right? But for sure, if you want to be on that on that upper end of the spectrum of wealth, you better own a company. Which mm -hmm. by the way. Case in point, you're you've done and you've you've created two or three. You've got two apps. You've got a company. You've got three or yep. four things. So aside from side hustle, you've created two or three or four opportunities to own something that could create um, large wealth down the line. Something that you could either sell or something that blows up and becomes big somehow, or something that comes valuable with a patent or something that you, yeah. <laughs> that you I guess it's like again, you know, um, I've I've been to a lot of things locally. I'm assuming a lot of people here are local. You, know, you go to you go to a wave or a synapse event or this event or that event, and you start to listen and you listen. And I think sometimes, and this is where I'm different. A lot of people are chasing the big one. They were chasing the whale. I'm usually not. The truth. I'm usually not chasing the whale. Like I don't really see my radiology company ever being sold to be a whale. I would love to have autonomy with my peers, and I mean that, like autonomy with my peers, this is weird, autonomy with your peers, yeah, autonomy with my peers, I want peers to be autonomous working in the same environment that doesn't really exist in medicine a lot, right? There's somebody who runs a group, a lot of people under them, and that's just the way that it works. Medicine's usually behind business by quite a good distance, okay? So we're very traditional modeled in medicine, a lot of practices are. So I would love to see something that's more revolutionary, that's changing, I would, I would prefer that than more wealth. Um, and I, I think it gets to your point where there's different levels of, of wealth and what type of wealth you're trying to accrue. I'm yeah. trying to accrue more personal freedom wealth, um, social wealth than physical wealth because I don't have many things. As you see, I wear t-shirts. I literally wear t-shirts and shorts every day. I'm not that fancy. I have some nice clothes I can go out with, but the reality is I would rather have a enjoyable amount of wealth and more autonomy and spread that to other people because yeah. I think too many people get caught up in the headaches associated with how many dollars they're bringing in. And some of my yeah. friends get caught up in that. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. You make a good living. I think other people would trade in places with you. And and the truth is I think a lot of people would, but they're always chasing the next. And if you're yeah. always chasing the next, the that's big. a problem. And they're chasing something big. So you're, you're striking that, that, that balance of uh, having that baseline income so that you can pursue these other things. Correct. And frankly, too, what you're you're going for, because you know, you know, we know this. With when entrepreneurs that take the big leap, they're in for a lot of typically a lot of pain and struggle to yep. to pull through on the other side. It's 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 pretty it's pretty tough, right? But the risk reward right. the risk reward is big, right? So that all the people I know that have sold their companies for a few hundred million, and I know a few of those, they had to make that big. And it's kind of what's so it's kind of what's inside of you that makes a difference, right? In terms of who right. you are and what your risk tolerance is and what your vision. And by the way, too, I'm going to say this, what you want today, because to, to kind right. of go the swing for the fences, you kind of have to give up your youth in a way for something, you know, bigger uh, down the right. line. So many trade-offs here, right? I mean, I traded that off already, right? I and I think that's why it's a little harder to trade off. You trade off your 20 trip, your 30s to go to medical school and to do residency and you're in the hospital all the time and your friends are doing X, Y, and Z and you're not doing that. So that trade off has already happened. And I don't know if it gives you a better world perspective. I just think it gives you a different world perspective. It gives you a different life perspective because you've already traded those things. So to sound like to trade them again is even worse. And obviously I have a lower risk tolerance than 
I would like call them the hardcore entrepreneurs who are literally drop it all, go out, chase it. People like you yourself. I mean, you're, you're, you'll go for it. I mean, I don't know that I have that in me, but that's okay because everybody can be different. And I'm sure some people listening to this are not sure they want to drop everything to become that entrepreneur, right? They, but they maybe want to have a side hustle that takes them from this tax bracket to this tax bracket and potentially exit all tax brackets, right? And to say, like, oh, right. how do you yeah. do that with a limited amount of time? Well, you do that by trying to find ways like I've described, which is my job used to be very call heavy, time heavy, commute heavy. I've figured out ways to take some of those little pieces out, little bites, little bites and is one big bite. The one big bite gives me free time to do the other things I've pretty much so, done. And I think that's beautiful. By the way, sorry, I was distracted. Uh, the Facebook Live, uh, I was trying to, um, so we've, run, we've been running this on Facebook Live for weeks, but I've never been able to like look at my comments over there while I'm watching this. Yes. And so every, every week I'm like, I'm gonna try to, no, maybe, I can, maybe I can reply to Facebook Live comments. I've got a couple, oh, it's Vikas, a shout out to just pretend, Vikas. So uh, Vikas, throw a, throw a question in here for, uh, for Eric. Vikas is one of our uh, Wave uh, uh, founder CEOs who's doing quite well, by the way. It's a, it's, a, it's a regulatory compliance platform in the cloud for mid to light, mid-sized to large companies to track all of their compliance requirements. And um, he's one of those founders that startups that are actually doing quite well right now. There's a lot of, uh, he's, he's gaining a lot of investor attention, even in this tough time. And he's also gaining a lot of customer attention. So, um, but, uh, but no, I, I, Eric, I, that's what I love about having you on because uh, you, um, you, you're that, you're that example of a, of a, of an entrepreneur that is building, like you put this baseline in, which you're protecting and you're doing a great job with it. And you're you know, making six figures, just doing this thing. And then, and then you're just building your little empire on the side, right? Yeah, and, and, like, and then, and by the way, one of them, yeah, one of them might pop, but you're not gonna put too many chips. You're like a professional gambler in the casino, right? right? That's what this you're, is. Yeah, you're, you're like a professional gambler that walks in, that's already good. He's, he or she's already got, you know, right. plenty of money. I'm not in here trying to be tight anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're, right. not tight, right? you're not squeezing. Sometimes um, I'll see entrepreneurs who they're forcing, right? They're forcing their product or they're forcing their idea because it was a great idea three years ago when they started. Today, not a great idea, but they feel so pot committed that they're like, there doesn't matter what I bet, they're betting more. They want, well, want it more. Yeah, because they're they're kind of uh, they're, they've basically gotten themselves in such a situation where they have to gamble to uh, survive. That's right. Basically, that's what that becomes like. And right. That's the difference, I would say, the difference between a lot of what I do is, and, and yeah. it helps my personality is, I'll shoot you down. I'll say bad idea. And unfortunately, you know, people generally don't want to hear that. But the truth is, especially if it's in the spaces I know. Yeah. I, I've seen the winners. I've seen the losers. Right. So I think it's I think that's a great analogy. Like you know, you come in and you're you're basically that professional gambler that's already whole, already whole, right? Playing with house money. Right, and placing playing with house money and and placing bets around. And if something starts to grab, you're going to double up and on that. And you're going to let that ride. But at no point do you jeopardize the mothership. Correct. And, uh, and by the way, if something does blow up and pop, you'd be the first. And I know you. If it really something, one of your apps, one of your businesses, and you may disagree with me right now on the surface, but I know you. No, no. You would you would say you know what I, um, I, now this is I'm I uh, I'm ready to go not being a radiologist go pursue this right I yeah 
I'm with you. I mean, like, let's face it too. Like that's, but that brings us full circle to the idea that this is about entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be throwing out streams and hoping they turn into river, hoping they turn into the mighty Mississippi. Um, if I didn't believe eventually in one of my ideas or someone else's idea that I'm investing in, if otherwise I'd put money in a 401k and just let it ride. Right. Like right. otherwise I would do something like that, or I would go other traditional means of investment. I don't do these small angel type pieces or these, my betting on myself because I think that they're not going to work. I think they will eventually, hopefully financially completely liberate me. Uh, hopefully my family too, and hopefully some of my friends come along with me, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's the entrepreneurial spirit that I 100% buy into. Right. So this is the this is the point you're making right now is that you, you're not doing this just for fun and play. No. You actually are placing bets, hoping something hits. Absolutely. 100 percent. Yeah, that's that's 100%. that's that's really important. With the you know, everything I've done with the watch space, you know, I've transitioned from selling watches myself to having now dealer apps to having now more viable um, our customer facing apps, which we've delayed because of COVID. Um, you know, that's just everybody's facing it, whether it be in my healthcare space, I'm facing it. Um, my own company that with radiology, my consulting is completely cut off. My side hustle with that is is went from great to a, a, a realistic full time income to now being almost nothing. Uh, my watch business went to from great luxury item to almost nothing. But I've been insulated because I think the people that are prepared for this say to themselves, all right, buckle up, think, right, plan for the future. Think about, is there anything in this current marketplace that you could excel at? If the answer is no, that's fine. Everyone doesn't have something in this marketplace to excel at. Let's also be realistic about that. Um, I'm in the medical space. I don't have anything to contribute that's going to make me any real money. So if I'm not doing it, there's not a lot of people doing it, right? Right. And then two, then start thinking about what the future of a growth market looks like. You know, what's currently going out of business? Think of yourself, are they going out of business because uh, they were a poorly run business? Was it a bad idea? And if it's a poorly run business, maybe you can step into that business, right? Maybe you could run a business better that was just poorly managed that's going out of business. Because I'm seeing a lot of people who are asking, uh, it's, it's bad times, who are going out of business during this and saying, well, woe is me. I'm saying to myself, well, listen, we've only been down and out for a month or two. Yeah. The reality is a lot of these small businesses, if they're very well organized, could be a lifestyle. Let's use, let's use this. I'm just going to, I like to just kind of sometimes brainstorm examples. Like yeah. let's look at a hair salon, right? Like for right. example. Right. There's a great example. Uh, hair salons, most of them are locked into this idea that you come in there right. to get the haircut. Um, and frankly, they all should have be should have already been already have been pivoting to trying to come cut hair at my house, for example. That, it sounds ridiculous. Right. But I've not. But but the, I don't I'm not reading about it. My where I get my haircut has not approached me. Um, meanwhile, we're all getting bad haircuts from our family members. Right. <laughs> and, uh, right. <laughs> this is what and uh, but I'm just just an example off the top of my head. Like there is an example where I wouldn't say poorly run. I would just say a a, a, a business that isn't like paying attention and giving they're not paying attention. They're not, they're not adapting. But I mean, right. I still think poorly. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to it. I, like I'm blunt. I still think poorly run because I'll tell you right now, the person who cuts my hair, I actually contact. I reached out all the all the services that I have. I still said, hey, listen, I'm going to pay you in the downtime so that I know that eventually down the road, listen, we'll either catch it back up, you'll give me a discount later, or listen, we'll just it's a wash, it's fine. So I, I'm not kidding. I contacted my hair cutter who comes to my house and cuts my hair. Why? Because I don't like to drive there and waste time. Everything efficiency. I don't drive anywhere to waste time. I don't even drive. I don't own a car in Florida for three years. Okay? <laughs> no car, three years in Florida. None, zero. Right. So think about that. I have everybody come to the house to do all the services because it saves me time. Time is money. Time is far more valuable than money. 
far more valuable. So she tells me, texts me back and she says to me, nah, I'm good, but thanks. So that's a person, okay, who you wouldn't expect to turn down free money, but the reality is she did two times. I both, because it's been about a month, right? A little bit over. I get my haircut every two weeks. And she said, now nah, I'm good. And that's a person who's got a planned business. They know when the economic downtime happened, they were prepared for it because good times are not always going to be rolling. We were in a huge upswing, right? Yeah. How many of those businesses would go out of business if we were in a three month downturn that's similar to a one month outage? Well, if they're the same people, guess what? I can't really feel all that bad. Now, I'm not saying everybody, there's yeah. circumstances. Yeah. But good businesses can still prepare for some of this. Right, yeah. Hey, by the way, your lighting is starting to dip, so let's, let's pull it up. I think I got something behind me. <laughs> yeah. No, you're good. Where'd you go? You can't. Eric, right, we're live. You can't. You're just supposed to. You had the dimmer. Yeah. The kitchen <laughs> lighting will give me enough. You, yeah. no, you had lighting. Oh, that's better. Okay, that's yeah. better. Yeah, I yeah. Had, <laughs> I had to get the kitchen lights. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, all right. So there, there you go. That's an example of, um, to your point, uh, businesses out there, some are finding ways to thrive and some are just kind of uh, frozen. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so back to advice for folks out there. Okay. Let's say you weren't fortunate enough to have gone through medical school and you're, you know, radiologist, which is a very, obviously a, a, on the scale of things, a, a secure job by way of things. If you were out there in the private sector, you know, selling insurance or, you know, or working in marketing or God knows just the regular corporate job working for a mid-sized company, let's call it a mid-sized company. Um, what, what, you've got friends like this, you've got friends in your life, right? Like, so what, what, uh, and you're never short on advice and opinions. Like, what are you telling you? What would you tell your friends right now? I think the first thing is, what do you want to, like, what do you want to know? Do you want to be an entrepreneur? That's number one, right? If, if the answer is, no, then well, the conversation's over. But if the answer is, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur, the next thing is, what do you know? And what do you know better than most people? It doesn't be everybody, but most people. And I think it, it gets, that starts to then make you look inward and say, what is it that I really have that drive, that passion for, that I'll wake up for the extra one hour or do the one extra hour a day, which I'm going to ask of you, which anyone's going to ask of you at least, right? If it's a side hustle. Now, this is the full-time business we're talking about here. Let me just describe that. But if this is a side hustle, what are you going to do for an hour a day for probably a few months at least to try to at least think about, lay the groundwork for potentially putting dollars from your pocket, whether it be you're siphoning off 5% of your life, you know, your life kind of money, 10% of your life money, because anybody can siphon off. There's no question. I mean, there's almost nobody who's in that particular situation who's really thinking about entrepreneurship, who doesn't have at least some disposable income. And, that, and you know, the truth is you don't need almost any to do some of these things. I didn't own any of the watches that I sold. Right. 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 So no dollars associated with that. That was just a skill of networking. So go out and go to a hobby or activist group in the thing that you like, that you want to spend that one hour doing and just meet people. Next thing you know, you might be selling that particular product uh, to other people that are not in that, in that circle or potentially in that circle and you don't need any inventory. So that's a $0 investment. Right. It's a time and, and, and true passion investment that you put in and yeah. that could potentially get you money or to siphon money and do things like I've also done. I bought watches at a low price, resold them at a higher price. Right. That's a completely different strategy. One has dollars associated on the front end and dollars on the back end, which might be better margins. Right. Because you're not just straight middlemanning, but they're the same exact business. So the first thing really drives from what's your passion? What are you better at than most people? Yeah. How much time are you going to spend? 
Yeah. And some of it can be services, right? Like you can, oh, even right. if you're not like a product, you know, if you don't have a product mentality, you can, if you're like a great writer or copywriter or marketing, or if you are good with development or social media, there's, there's a lot of ways to like make side money, helping uh, folks with those kinds of things, right? The more the, one of the, you know, having hard skills and I mean, there's a difference between having an interest and a passion and having hard skills, uh, you know, hard skills, yeah. obviously, you know, we don't have to tell people like they probably already know that. Um, the, tr the trick to that is getting, let's, let's talk about that into the spectrum for a minute. So uh, the trick to that is getting your, getting customers, right. And finding them. And I had a really great recommendation told to me yesterday, or was it yeah. today about people that, um, that are in jobs that just don't have the network or don't know where they might get. Let's, let's say you're a great writer, a great copywriter, right. And you, and, and, you know, you can go out on these sites like Upwork and Freelancer. Like I know, I know these sites pretty well because I've hired people off of these sites. Right. And it's um, there's a million uh, uh, there's a million copywriters and a million of everybody out there, right? There's no no there's no way to stand out. And this friend was telling me yesterday he said, you know, one of the cool things that you can do if you really if you want to dig your well before you're thirsty and really get started is to find company or people find someone or a company that you admire that you know of and 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 ask if you can like volunteer some time sure. because. Uh, you know, basically be a grown up intern, right? Because right. A, they're going to be super like excited to have you. Right. B, like uh, you, they're going to give you the interesting work to do that you're going to learn from and be able to like build your, uh, your skill set around. And three, they're going to want to help you and connect you to people like we talked about earlier, like they, oh, this, this guy, you got to like, I want to connect this person. I want to want to help this person because they came and helped us for free, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I was a candy striper before I went to medical school. Before I got my residency, I was going after hours and on the rotations. When I was on surgery, guess where I was going? Radiology afterwards. Uh, when I could cut out and skip a day in surgery, guess where I went? Radiology. I didn't take the day off. Yeah. Right? I, I think if there's a story of perseverance, that's my story. I was told no the whole way up. I mean, my grades were not very good. God's mm -hmm. honest. I can't say how many people told me, you won't go to this, you won't become this, you won't do this. And, and I'm like, that's fine. Kind of learn to live and love. No. If you can learn to love and live, no, oh man, you, you're, you're going to be a winner. You're going to be a winner because you just almost want to hear it. Like, I'm like, how, what did you say? Just a little bit louder? Did you say no? I mean, I'm the guy at, at the other side of the coin when I make it a yes that I'm going to send you a letter about when you told me no. I'm right. that guy. You're that I'm guy. Playing guy to be, but that's the type of guy I am. I'm like, oh, I yeah. can't wait to hear the. Did you say no? Oh. Okay. <laughs> right. Hey, real quick. There, 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 there are definitely those types of people, right? And and you're definitely hardcore in that camp of the, the, there are certain people that the biggest thing, biggest gift you can ever give them is tell them they can't do oh. something. Oh my God. It, it, it triggers certain people that way. Right. And then the other side of the camp is like, um, I'm probably on the other side of the camp where if you, be, if you believe in me and, and, and think that I can do something then I'm, then that actually like boosts me and I can know I can actually conquer my, and I think a good coach or a good parent or anybody is able to figure out what, like, what's the trigger on a certain person? Right. Are you triggered by that? Or are you triggered know by that? Know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Know yourself. And we, I think the, the common thread that we have, we both know what motivates, what drives us. Yeah. And I think that if you're on the call or you're listening and you say, and you don't know which camp you fall in, that's your first, well, that's, that's another question to answer is which yeah. camp are you in? Do you yeah. love when people challenge you and they say to you, you can't do something? And you really want to do it? Well, that's my camp. But if you're on the camp that you want people to kind of 
buy into and see what the creative spirit that you have. I mean, clearly I'm buying into what you've done, right? I've come and spoken yeah. to class. I'm now doing this um, because I see how hard it is that you work. I mean, we work on projects together. You've introduced me to people in the local network, other things that we've done. I mean, we have a great working relationship and we've had ups and down times, right? We've had good in advance and that, but that comes from our conflicting personalities that we're both not willing to cater to the other one just for the sake of doing it. Right, right, exactly. Right? That's right. You got to uh, tell you one thing, you're not going to tell me another. Two strong personalities. Um, so back to the uh, like advice for, for people. So in, for, like, so if you said, first of all, do you want to be an entrepreneur or are you an entrepreneur? But I would say, let me challenge that for a minute. Um, what if someone like, you know, if you lose your job right now, I don't know that there's another job to pick up and, and unemployment is not kind of the answer. So I would say almost in this case, unlike most, even in most other recessions, Eric, there were, there were still kind of jobs out there and you can kind of navigate through it. But if this thing is, if this thing stays as bad as it is, and let's just assume that it, that it, that it, it stays tough for a while. Um, it's not like you can do that at like past recessions. So totally agree. yeah. So, I, so here's, here's, my, here's, for that. here's my rebuttal. My rebuttal yeah. is your opportunity cost is now zero. Mm -hmm. You've got nothing else, right? Like for me, the opportunity cost always exists. If it's detracting from something that I can do for X amount of dollars per hour, which is radiology, why would I do this other thing? Because like you said, if I create this little stream that potentially has a long-term outcome, well then that one hour per kind of time and my invested time is okay. But if right now, if I'm doing nothing, if I have no radiology, zero dollars income, which I have a lot of that zero dollar income coming in, do you think right now, I'm asking you, do you think right now that I'm thinking about just like sitting on my hands and wondering, you know, when that money's gonna come back or do you think I'm thinking about the next 10 things? Yeah, absolutely, you're working yes, on the next 10 things. And I think that a person who's sitting there currently who has nothing right now and is collecting either a check of unemployment or struggling, First thing you gotta ask yourself is how long do you think you're struggling for? You have to be realistic about it. Is it you're not gonna be employed for one year, two year, three year? Do you need to scale back your life? Do you need to sell your house? I mean, I think about something like, do I need to sell my house potentially, take my earnings, scale back to an apartment and just make this thing happen? Because I'm I'm realistic about this. Now, the answer to me, thank God, is no. But if that was the case, I'll tell you right now, for sale sign would go out in front of my house. I'd be dancing around, putting up as much stuff to get this thing sold and make as much money as I possibly could, bank it, right. figure out how much I needed over the one, two, three years I think I'd be unemployed, and then figuring out the next thing. That's so, right. Never That's split right. hands. That's right. That's right. I, I love that. You know, the idea that uh, don't uh, don't fall into your laurel, don't fall into kind of a lack of a better word, victim. Like get on the you gotta get on you've got to get on the offensive. <laughs> Yeah, right. And if, 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 if right there's, there's not many people in this time. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple of a handful. You're hearing the story. Oh, this guy made so much money. Let's get let's get realistic, right? There's guys and girls out there, every most people are struggling. Most people right now are struggling. So I think the real winners will be the ones who are looking at this and saying adversity is building opportunity. Opportunities, what are those opportunities for me? How do I get to those opportunities? And how do I start moving my chips in that direction? Yeah. If I don't move my chips in that direction early. Somebody else like me is like chips, chips, chips. Right. Somebody who's so right now is the time to make moves and place chips right now. So that's by it. the way, it's ironic because that's how I met you, right? Because yeah. that's as mentioned earlier, um, the uh, through that previous recession, my the the industry that I was in was big six figure, even seven figure enterprise software sales, and, and it had went gone to like zero. Right. So I was in my late twenties, and I said, I, I kind of knew I wanted to get my MBA at some point. And, and I, uh, I, I chose that downturn to go ahead and just like, I did, I sold my house, Eric. I sold right. my house. 
um, and actually moved in with my in-laws for many months, several months, not quite a year, I don't think, while I uh, retooled, regrouped, and, um, and went back to school to get the MBA and reset my whole life and career. By the way, nobody forced me to do that. I, right. I, I, nobody told me this, like I, I, was, I could have gotten a job and just kept, uh, um, there, was a, there were jobs out there where I definitely was going to get one, but you know what I said to myself, Eric, at that time? I said, you know what, I just don't, if I don't want a job, like I lost the job, the, the career, that I, the industry that I wanted to be in and it was special and it was exciting. And now it looks like I just need to go get a job. And this is when I was in my late twenties. I don't ever yeah. told you the story. And it just wasn't moving the needle for me. I, try, you know, I, I was like, you know, I, I just felt like that it was just a bad decision. It would have been a bad strategic move. And then, I got my MBA because my grades. Yeah. And then, yeah, then the MBA, yeah. I needed, I needed leverage to get into medical school. Yeah. I'm honest. I'm not like a, oh, I'm so smart. I'm not so smart. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books, but then I learn a lot about things when I read a lot of books. Just like yeah. a lot of people. Are you? And that's what I think. It, it kind of moves to another stepping stone. Is how in this time, with the time that you have on your hands, how are you advancing your knowledge base in whatever topic that you really want to pursue? What is it that you're doing? Because I'll tell you right now, there's a thought leader or someone that is a current thought leader in that space. Now, I'm not necessarily saying you have to follow them, but it's good to at least get an idea of what somebody else is thinking. And it's the reason why most people are tuning into this, I think, are already doing that, right? They want to hear what other people have to say and potentially how they can take that advice and move their own needle forward. Yeah, I, I love what you brought up about selling the house, and I don't necessarily want everybody to immediately do that, but I think oh. it's a great example because I did it and used to prepare. Sell the car. It, it's the, yeah, sell the car. Like I got a friend of mine who sold his car and he sold his Air Jordan collection right. to, to start his thing. Most of my friends liquidated their watch collections. And the way I look at it, Eric, too, here's the thing. Sell it, sell it liquidated now or later. Like I would rather be, I'd rather get ahead of it and, and, and liquidate when I can, in the answer, right? I can take those, well, no, when I can take those chips and play them right. either, either going back to school, training, absolutely, whatever it might be, retool, or put your head in the sand, let the months clip off, let, let your, right. Right. let everything go to near zero. And then you're forced to, to, to make a big choice, lose it, lose it all anyway. And, you, and yep. you, you can't play any of those chips, right? And I know that sounds really, uh, I know that sounds really dark and, and so forth, but I think people would be wise to put their minds around some of these really tough. Um, I, I like to say plan for the, you know, plan for the worst, expect the best. Meaning like I, I tell people, sure. people, people think sometimes I go to the negative too much with this stuff, but I say, Hey, you no need, to, way, act, man, I'm in. You I'm need in. to act, you need to act like three or four months ago from now or less, you don't have a job and there's no job for you. What would you do? What would you do right now? What would you do right now if you knew that was an absolute uh, uh, truth of what was going to happen, right? And and that 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 really and I don't like for example you're in a you're in a really great spot with what you do, but most people are not. So Am I'd I? say, hey, I'm now 40, 50 percent. I don't know. I'm not. Right. So you don't know, like. Right. I mean, but here's the thing: has cost of living associated with the way that they make money, right? I, I yeah. mean, I'll just be honest. I, I spend money kind of commiserate to my lifestyle. Now, fortunately for me, I actually live a, the truth, I live a relatively pulled back lifestyle relative to the, the money that I take in. And yeah. I think it's the approach I would I would advocate for because in these downtimes, what it leaves me with is truthfully cash in hand. Yeah. So when most people don't have it, when the watch market takes a dive uh, and, and I got cash in hand, you know what I'm going to buy? A whole bunch of cheap watches. Right. So and you can hold them and I'm going <laughs> to sell them and I'm going to make a profit. 
Right, exactly. Uh, that's, that's not even like rocket science. It's that people, like you described, have waited till they got to zero. They have nothing in themselves, and they've got to move the watch. Now, I feel bad for them, but at the same time, I make money. But it gets into, and I've been, I've felt victim to myself, and I think probably more so than you. Like I can get my head in the sand a little bit. I can, I can yeah. kind of start imagining that it, you know, it's better to, it's easier to think about it not happening than think that it will. And sometimes you just want to have a good day, and you want to have, a, you want to enjoy your evening, and you just want to like, you know. But you know, in the back of your mind, that there's a real, there's a real looming problem out there, and uh, you know, and so this idea of, of you know, take taking the chips that you have and redistributing, replaying them. I would argue that you're probably doing that now with even some of your moves that you're making, even though, you know, your job, you're, you're probably thinking right now, like, okay, what if things are, are, are in a, not in a good place in a few months? What will I wish? I love this. I love taking the future, bringing it to the present, right? Sure. What will I wish I would have done uh, today? You know, then what will I wish I'll have done, right? And right. today, right? And, and that's rumors that my company that I currently work for, as I, as I was kind of warming up to you before we started this whole thing, that my company that I work for, a big company, uh, and, and Bloomberg today just released it, potentially undergoing Chapter 11. Now, this is my main source of income. I'm hearing that this multi-billion dollar company is potentially undergoing Chapter 11. So in my mind, I'm saying to myself, a lot of people that texted me right away, panicked. Was I panicked? Not really. I mean, yes and no, because I thought to myself, man, if they lose all those contracts, who's going to get them? Me. Like I couldn't wait to potentially see them dissolve because I know what type of quality work that I do. Uh, and I know the relationships that I've built in my line of work. And I know where those chips would potentially fall. Now, I don't wish them ill. Uh, I don't wish that because I actually like what I do and who I work for. Um, but I'm also saying to myself, I'm confident in what I do, just like a lot of people out there should be, especially if you're putting together a nice product, no matter what it is. I don't care if you make a cake, you wipe the floor. It does not matter. Uh, do the best product you can. People will recognize it even if they don't tell you. And eventually one day you'll you'll be doing that for yourself at a better level. And that's why I look at this and I say, oh, yeah, I could potentially be without a job. But I know that my job will eventually come back because it's something that's needed. And most jobs are needed in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Even the luxury market. OK, that's somebody's going to want that eventually. You yeah. just have to weather the storm. And weathering the storm just means a different thing in every single category. So in my right. category, which is the health space, it's figuring out what my next steps would be if my company dissolves, it would be, okay, I need to then figure out how to get those contracts because I know they could be more lucrative for me than they currently are because I have a middleman who is distributing those cases to me now. Yeah, so I would say, you know, weathering the storm is one good way. And I think also making moves, making moves right now, whether they're major moves or they're minor moves, right? But B, the key is to get into motion and, and make moves uh, in advance. Um, just It's just so smart. It works in the physical world. If you, a hurricane was coming, you'd be doing little things. You'd get your right. journey, you check this, you check that, right? You'd kind of be treating your life the same way as if a hurricane could come. By the way, if it doesn't come, yeah, great. You you uh, you maybe were out a little bit of money. You you spent a few things, but your stress level, you know, was was you you artificially raised it to a point of preparation. But you but it but it doesn't go off the needle okay. because you you did the preparations of things that you needed to do. So I think that's really um, really good good advice. Another entrepreneur um, told me one time that I think is very relevant in today's market and actually probably more relevant today than normally, uh, especially when we had the, like I said an uptick cycle for so long and we had it we were kind of riding it. Uh, they told me, Eric, when's the last time you updated your resume? And, and I would I would tell you that it's interesting that you say that because I try to now update my resume every three months. 
And I bet there's a lot of people, hope, maybe that are even listening to this, that haven't looked at their resume or haven't updated their resume in a bit. And what you're leaving, you really got to, you got to sit down. And I mean, when I sit down, you got to sit down and you got to think about all the little things that you probably neglected if you haven't updated it every three months, because you probably had a lot of little things in those three month windows that you have bypassed and are no longer on your resume, which couldn't highlight some of the little new intricacies. And you talked about big piece moves, little piece moves. These might be a lot of little piece moves that you've made over a course of a year, potentially two years that you've never touched your resume, three years, four years, five years, you've been in the same job, that maybe they're adding up to something that actually speaks to the, the next person who sees your resume and says, hold on a second. Not only are they the blank senior administrator, blah, 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 but they've also learned French. They do this, this, and this. And it might sound silly, but those might be the features that they connect with, they identify with to say, when you get to that job interview, they start speaking to you in French and you, you don't know how to answer in French or you do know how to answer in French. And that little weird connection, believe me when I tell you that, is what lands the deal. Because what actually landed me my radiology residency was not radiology, I didn't know any at the time. What landed me my radiology residency was my ability to do PowerPoint. And that came from the MBA. And ironically enough, most people don't know this, I redid most of the PowerPoint presentations in the department I was going to do my residency at before I ever got there. I offered to do all their PowerPoint presentations for them again to redo them. And they said nothing was wrong with them. I went on to win multiple awards in radiology presenting from my PowerPoint presentations and actually nas and um, lectured nationally and internationally on how to give an award-winning PowerPoint presentation in radiology because everything that we do is visual. And most people just threw pictures up, lots of them all over the place. And I would say, what is going on? There was no organization. There was no structure. There was flying things everywhere. So you won your, your radiology first job off of your PowerPoint skills. Oh, there's, not, there's not a question. And if I could bring my uh, super mentor, as I call her, off uh, right now, she would tell you 100% that it was all related to the fact that I had been willing to assist her. She wanted things to move. She wants to talk about embryology and how things grew. And I was able to do that. Well, this goes right back to what we said earlier about volunteering to help. That's help. it. Wow. That, that's that's huge man so you, I, believe, I believe everything we everything we talk about i've kind of i can give you an example from my life that yeah. i use that to get the next piece I, I don't just say things like if you told me hey what can you relate to some of these other people that you asked me before you know a sales insurance or this i can tell you the truth i've never done a job like that i've never been a traditional role i've always sort of been the end user because the first job i've really ever had was a radiologist my side hustles were always me as the boss but I've never reported to somebody, so I wouldn't understand how to relate to them. And I wouldn't try to offer them opinions when it relates to that, but I could offer them opinions about how I've done it and how maybe I could see them doing it. Got it. Someone asked earlier in the uh, Facebook live chat flow here, um, if you're not all in, doesn't it show lack of interest or lack of commitment? Um, oh, so for a side hustle, you mean? Yeah, someone's asking. Okay, if yeah, you're yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, but I think the context on this is if you're dabbling. I think the context was a little bit back when we were talking about placing small bets around. I think that's where the context was. But I'm okay with that. I'm actually okay with that. And you know what the answer I say is yes, because when I was committing to doing the PowerPoint for the the group, right, I knew that was a certain undertaking volume. I was defining the volume of my undertaking, and I think this speaks to this. If you told me that at the same time I was trying to impress them learning radiology, I knew that undertaking could not be finished in the amount of time that I had when I was within their grasp or their window of approval. 
So I had to custom and tailor fit, and I would recommend you do the same. Tailor fit the thing you're trying to achieve in the amount of space allocation you have. Don't try to create a watch brand in the amount of time you want to do as a maybe possible watch side hustle sale. I mean, I developed a watch patent, but I did that with a bunch of other people who are probably smarter than I am, a mechanical engineer who knew to take my idea and change it, who spent far more time on this, right? So even though the time allocation I knew was my idea was X, I knew that I couldn't do Y, Z, Q. So I had to find and pay dollars, other people to do those tasks, but I was cognizant enough that I could do that. Yeah. If the task you're trying to achieve requires a hundred hours and you only have 50, I'm going to task you with finding the other 50, per 50 hours. It might be a person, it might be a service or a business that you're going to pay, but that's just understanding the time commitment, the allocation that you need to make in any side hustle. Right. But okay. But I think the, the other piece of that is, is just, if you're, if you're just placing like back to that, that casino analogy again, and you've placing lots of different things. Um, has there ever been a case where your lack of commitment to any one of those things was so small that that's probably why it didn't succeed? Yes. And, and, and you did, was that just a friendly fire that you just had to take or did you regret yeah. that? Yeah, no. I mean, you and I have worked on my uh, healthcare app. I mean, that's very clear. That transmogrified into a veterinary care app that we approached to veterinary insurance places. And the truth is that is a completely shelved project. Why? No time. I know that I don't have the time for it. Um, it's money spent, lessons learned. That's the key. Yeah. The key to money spent and dead money is lesson learned. Also, I pulled the plug. Why? My time was no longer worth going in that direction. So failure, and I failed many times, many, many times. Didn't get in the medical school the first time around. That's why I did my MBA, right? Uh, was told you won't do this, this, and this. Jumped through all these different crazy hurdles. Didn't get this particular thing to happen. But it's persistence, but also recognizing that when you fail, you have to take away just as much as when you succeed, if not more, and probably a lot more. And that piece about uh, the veterinary app, the medical app, taught me so much more about the watch app, which has been relatively successful and has done well. I, right. But I wouldn't have that if I didn't have that. So this right. failure really just springboarded this success. And, right. and yeah. that's the way it goes. I mean, you've yeah. had agility, all the things you've done. Absolutely. The, key is to, you gotta, the bottom line is you just got to get in the game and start taking your licks. And you're going to hear no. I mean, like that's, it goes back to the no thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I live on that. I live on, okay, no. Well, this was this particular one. I had yeah. to up and I say avoid, no. I avoid, I uh, edit my sentences with you. Avoid ever like suggesting a, like no in a, something you can't do or we can't do something. I, as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I know I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> I know I'm in trouble if I ever say that. It's like I'm. I was like, man, I really did it. Now he is not going to let off. Every no. time I talk to him, now he's going to pound me into the ground over this. Yeah. Idol. <laughs> yeah, but you also go. You also can't have that false hope, and and it's hard okay. to separate. And it's, it's even hard for me to separate out when sometimes no is just no. And, sure. and and I think the way you limit that is you stay in your lane and you stay what you're passionate about. And that's what I've kind of done. I've stayed in the radiology space. You'll notice that. My theme is very simple. It's I'm I'm a, a bowler, I'm a video game player, I'm a watch guy, I'm a radiologist. If you ask me about almost anything else, I'll give you an opinion, but it's not an opinion that's based on trying to explain to you how you should do it 
or what you should do with it. I would never try to go down that route because I think too many people explore spaces outside of their realm. Even in medicine, a lot of people ask me medical questions about cardiology. And I'll say, no, I'm not a cardiologist. I just know more cardiology than they do because they're not a cardiologist and they're not in the medical space. So I can offer you a scientific backed opinion, but not a cardiologist opinion. And if you really want the answer, ask somebody who's smarter than me in this space. Right. Don't ask me. Good. Um, I'm just polling the Facebook live group to see if we have anybody uh, wants to throw out a, a question yeah, sure. before, we, before we get close to the to the wrapping up. Um, this has been a good uh, this has been a really good um, conversation. I think a lot of people I can't wait to put this up on the YouTube, honestly, because I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. Uh, I hope so. I mean, that's, I, I uh, think that I'm going to probably get as much from the feedback. I'll probably get as much from watching this back and seeing the other people. Yeah, uh, that's why. To do yeah. this teaches me more about myself, the way maybe even I approach these things and subconsciously would project myself outwardly rather than I do internally. And sometimes I don't even follow my own advice, right? So yeah. listening yeah. to myself will probably benefit me in some way, shape, or form because I'm just I'm yeah. just going. Right. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna learn about yourself. Watch this. So I've got a question here from uh, uh, Michelle and Michelle One L. That's uh, Michelle One L. Um, she said, "What would you say?" And she's been a repeat. Uh, kind of listener viewer for us what would you say is the single most important character that has propelled you okay what is the essence now you mentioned a couple of things don't use the don't you know being told you can't do something guy whatever but what's the one thing that you would boil down that that has made you successful with the things that you've um by the way the things that you've been successful with and you said don't go with perseverance well, you, I mean, you, you can use that, but maybe, uh, maybe, maybe something, something else. Yeah. Something you haven't, you haven't touched on yet. Obviously you're, you're, you're driven by being, you're driven by being told you can't do something. Right. Okay. But, it's, but it's gonna be when, you're, when you're in action, when you're in action doing the job that you do or whatever, like wh what do you think is um, another element that, that pulls you through to, to success? It's going to be, it's going to be exhaustive research. It's exhaustive. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason why I, I was successful in watches was my almost encyclopedic uh, understanding of certain brands and models that differentiated me from other people who maybe knew about those particular brands and models. And let me tell you right now, there's more people out there that know far more than I do about them. But when it came to big circles, little circles, little circles, in the super little circle, I wasn't a big deal. But in the bigger circle, when most people with general knowledge walk in, I knew a lot more than they did and I could go down a few circles. Okay, if that makes sense. So yeah. your ability to have deep, deep understanding and breadth of the knowledge and whatever it is that you're, whatever realm you're walking in. Are you walking in the realm of facial products? Are you walking in the realm of t-shirt design? You should know what has come before you, yeah. what people are thinking about, yeah. and ways that you want to uniquely create whatever it is you're going for. Yeah. And I can tell you one of the things that really strikes me, and I'll go teachers, I have this one brand that I like, I'm not going to promote them on air, but what I like is their collar line is, is not stretchy, it's sewn. It's really like tightly sewn. And as crazy as it might sound, I've tried every t-shirt you can imagine. Every single Facebook ad, I buy at least five of them, I send them all back. And, and even Mikasa, he can tell you this because he knows he's been to my house multiple times and he sees I wear one brand of shorts, I basically wear one brand of t-shirts, I wear one brand of everything because I find the one. And you know how I do that? By exhaustive research. And even when I come to the clothing that I wear, I go that depth to try to understand what it is that I like about it, what I hate about it, 
And you should do the same. No matter what space you're in, you have the ability, the internet, to understand and go that level and contact people. I mean, I'll call people, like, what do you think of this? What's your opinion on this? I'll ask my friends for reviews on t-shirts just so I can understand what they don't like about it. Yeah, and I would add what I would add to that if you're whatever business that you're in, let's say you were in the t-shirt business, and you, uh, let's say you were in that business. Um, the only the other add up to that is knowing your competition inside and out. So not only can you know everything about what, why you're, but until you can say you need to be able to distinguish yourself from your competition. Why? Because your your customers are going to be looking at your competition. You need to be able to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and most importantly, what they suck at. Right? Like what what where like like uh, the little things that that are that what appears to be the same, right? So I was, for example, I was using two different email marketing tools. I've been using three or four because I've been testing them all and all this good stuff, right? And they all look the same. And I got in there, and one of them was just the way it was handling images was a little click was a little uh, goofy, right? But right. you would have never known that until you got in and used the tool. Most people could right. never use the tool because never signed up. Get done. So what that company should know is like, hey, I know we all look the same. Let me tell you what: if you want to use a tool that just that's glitchy with images, use their tool or use ours. Now I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. The only reason they can make that claim is if that must be true. I don't have time to go over there and figure out if that that tool over there is glitchy with images. But guess what? Because they said it and they they, they it's probably true. Um, that that matters. That means that uh, they're they're helping me understand what's important to me because image management happens to be important. Somebody might hear that and go, you know what? I don't care. I care about this other thing. So it's truly knowing like you with the sheet, with the t-shirt collar, that company that makes sure say, Hey, uh, one thing about us, we under, we know collars. So right. we know t-shirts. Great. You know, t-shirts, but guess what? We know collars. We, it's funny though, cause you know, the one thing I, and I again, I'm, I'm just an honest straight shooter. Like I actually don't worry too much about my competition. God's honest truth. I, I I know about them, but I spend more time on me than on them. I spend far more time. I, I just look at them. I'm like, okay, I, I'm quick surveillance looks. I'm like, I don't like this, 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 this. It's almost like, like catharsis. I go in, I like purge out everything I hate about them real quick. It's a five minute look and then I'm done with them. And then I don't waste any more time because the more time I spend on them is less time I spend on myself. And I know that maybe that's a different mantra from you and that's fine. We can have different opinions. Sure. But my opinion is like, I spend almost no time on my competition because I look at them, I assess them quickly, I say what I like, I say what I don't like, I make a quick list, and then I'm done with them. I'll never ever go back, just so you know. Right. Even yep. if they make adapt adaptations, they make changes. The odds of me going back are very low because I'm already locked and loaded going down my path. Okay? Right. I'm very focused so on my start. Yeah. So if you were you were a t-shirt, so you're in that camp of we're just going to be maniacal about the way we make t-shirts. And um, we're just going to have blind confidence that that people will love us and will stick with us, and and the and the competition can't be as good as we are um, because we're just too good at what we do, right? So that's kind of the mindset of yourself. And you'll wait for now. You'll wait. You'll hit if customers are let's say you're in the t-shirt business, right? If you start hearing complaints because it's like, hey, uh, this like you're I I like right. it over there. You're going to pay attention, but right. but you're not going to burn a lot of energy trying to understand right. the way they're doing. That you're trying sometimes what you're doing is when you're looking at everybody else and what they're doing you're trying to take the best pieces and sometimes the best pieces all four together and if you took 18 different picassos and you put all the different best pieces of making process you put them together it'd be a, probably crap like right. that's crap right like, it's not gonna be great it's gonna be like a really bad picasso oh, absolutely you should never absolutely to be really clear i would never recommend that anybody right. should engineer or or build or design their product based off of competition. It's more about you definitely want to build and create off of your um, off of your vision of what it is, 
I was simply making the point that you you need to be able to once you lock that in, you need to be able to understand how you're different so that you can properly. I get you. You can properly sell that I and differentiate. I just like I said, I just don't spend as much time. I just I'll take a quick surveillance look and that's about it. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm just, but we just have different philosophies. Never, and you know, you're allowed to have a different philosophy. That's the absolutely. beauty. Of this. This absolutely. Is, I would never. The truth is, I would never do this. You, yeah. I would not be the host of the show. Exactly. For example, like if you were in a t-shirt business and you have this amazing John Wick t-shirt, right? And somebody said to you, hey, I, I'm on t-shirts plus and they have a John Wick t-shirt. It looks just like that. It's pretty awesome. I bought it over there. It's $3 cheaper. You know, they like, you'd be like, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. That's not the space on me. That's not where I live. Right, right, it's right. Like, it's like telling me, and here, I'll, I'll throw a brand out. I hate this brand. I hate it. This is a brand I actually hate. Invicta and watches. They model all of their watches after Rolex. Go ahead and look at Invictus and then go back to Rolex. And to me, it's nothing more than a ripoff. I'll tell you right now, they're a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper, but you're never going to catch me wearing one because it's not about the price, right? It's about the aesthetics. It's about the people, the fit. And that's the space that I currently like to right. live in. But if you're looking for price conscious, then right. you are in that space. So guess what? So you just made my point. As a Rolex salesperson, you did just did a great job of telling me why I don't want an Invicta watch. Fine. Right. Fantastic. Okay. Another question uh, down here. So uh, thank and um, Joyce Michelle says, thank you. We're going to wrap up here in five minutes. Joyce Michelle says, thank you. Research and details, devils in the details. Um, for me, it would be creativity, curiosity, solving something that's annoying. And then uh, um, and she says, what about Alan? Is Alan annoying? No, she means what's my opinion on that. Um, <laughs> do you? And then she goes, do you have partners? How do you find them? Okay. Um, uh, Joy, I'll, I'll take that one offline. Um, Michelle, I'm, I'm not always sure I'm going to get the clarification with Joyce and Michelle. Um, we'll, I'll follow up with her tomorrow yeah. and answer that question. So, Eric, um, thanks for being on tonight, man. Yeah, man. Thanks uh, for having me. This has been great. And uh, is, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up that where, where do you where do you let's talk? Let's leave on this note. Where, where do you see us in a, um, three to six months as an economy generally? And then also, where do we see Eric Lederman? Uh, how do we see things for you personally? Uh, so first thing I would say is, before I forget, stay safe. Can't mm -hmm. do what we're doing because it's clearly working. The, the, yeah. worst, the worst mistake we can make is thinking that it's done, but we have to keep on holding true and staying fast to the things that are working for yeah. a longer period of time and then slowly introducing ourselves back into what we would consider normal, right? New normal is definitely a reset. And we're looking at probably from a medical standpoint, I'm going to say at least minimum three, six months, probably more a year uh, of normal, right? To understand once we have a vaccine or something in the, in the pipeline that's going to work that we know that could hopefully curtail this if there's a second kind of round of this, okay? No panic, no fear. Just continue doing what you're doing. Stay safe. Economics, I think, will follow will follow this. I, I still think we're going to see a huge downturn, which I, I think for people listening to this, massive opportunities, lots of opportunities, lots of opportunities in spaces that didn't exist before. Real estate's going to be cheaper. Rents are probably going to be cheaper. Uh, creativity should be at an all-time absolute 100% high. And you've mentioned that in other podcasts and other blogs that you've done. I think you're spot on. You should be innovating, creating, doing more with non financial resources, which use your brain, right? Use your words, get out there, network, communicate, contacting people, doing things like this, where we're seeing each other virtually, uh, Zoom meetings, okay, enough for those, right? Like people have had enough Zoom meetings, but I think just picking up the phone, calling all your resources, seeing what they're doing, 
I, that's one thing I'm doing. I'm calling other radiologists saying, hey, what are you doing? Uh, can I let me just get your resume just to have it on the burner? Because never know if I spin up my own company or I spin my company a little bigger or whatever the case is. You know, you want some resources in your pocket. And I don't think they only need to be dollars. So I think for Lederman, that's what the plan is. It's, it's digging into my Rolodex, reaching out to people like you, Steve, Rich, other people. What's, what's going on in my area locally? What's going on in, in my space for radiology? locally nationally internationally where is there an opportunity and you know through six months hopefully there's some uptick but again I, i'm being pessimistic i'm a pessimist in some ways yeah well take a year yeah. at yeah, least yeah thanks for that and and i and i i tend to subscribe the same way i i've got kind of two parts of my brain i'm pretty good at it from a discipline perspective i i, I literally um i literally plan for the, I, I plan for the worst in my mind, but I kind of expect that, like, I've, I'm, I'm pretty good at tricking my mind. I've just, it's been a, a thing that I've been able to do most of my life pretty well. Like I thoroughly can convince myself that things are going to be really bad and really rough and I need to prepare for that. Um, which really helps me do the things I need to do today to, right. to and also say the things I need to say in terms of advising and coaching and so forth. But I, and really down deep, I just, I feel like that, um, that we're going to be delight, delighted when it's not as bad as we expect. And that's exactly the way I want it, right? That's exactly what I want. I want, to, I want us to be like preparing for really tough stuff and then not to be as bad and then to be like really relieved when that happens. So right. that's what my mindset is, is, uh, is just, is, is truly that truly preparing for, for a rough time, but then I think everybody is, I mean, I, I don't really know many people that aren't, so yeah. I'm right there with you. Hopefully everybody else is right there with you. We're all, in the trenches, getting ready with our shovels, right? The worst right. thing is in the trenches, sitting around. Get your shovel before moving. Yeah. Take actions, take steps today. Well, Eric, man, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to throw this up on YouTube uh, tonight. Um, it might be, it might take a few hours for the thing to process, but then by the morning for sure. And cool. I think, by the way, this has been one of the more action-packed, chopped, action-packed conversations I've had yet. So I think this is going to play well on the on the replay, honestly. Great. Um, so thanks for doing that and, and thanks for all your support. All Absolutely, these- man. Anything I can do. If anyone wants to reach out, listen, I'm always available. You got a cool idea. You want to run something past me? I'm always game to tell you where I stand and That's you're cool. going to get the truth. That's cool. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And if Eric likes it, you, you, you consider yourself, <laughs> you might have something. <laughs> you might just, you, you might just, just have, have something. You might just have something if this guy likes it, right? Um, all right, my friend. Peace out. Right, man. Have a great night. Good night. Thanks so Next much. Time. Later. Thank you.